Man, it's good to be behind a table this morning. So, you know, this, 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 this time started last month. You know, so, so when Jeff's not going to be here, he'll put out the elders sometimes and say, hey, I'm going to be out. By the way, I talk very quickly, you know, or fast. And so if I talk too fast, you understand, just raise your hand. It won't help, but it'll make you feel better like you're in some kind of control this morning. Um, you know, because I get, kind of get wound up. And, and so, um, but, you know, so he put it out. And it was, oh, I forget the date now, June 26th. Yeah, I was supposed to preach on June 26th. And so like three or four weeks prior to that, he puts an email. I say, hey, guys, I'm going to be out of town. Da-da-da. I got a wedding to do. Um, if anybody wants to, wants to preach that Sunday, just let me know. So I saw it. You know, I'm in my office, I see it, and God speaks, right? You know, I'm, I'm feeling this, this, this little tug. You, you should do that. Well, uh, you know, yeah, you should do that. And, and you put it off, right? You wait a little bit. And then I'll think, well, you know, okay, so, Lord, if it's, it's, it's 2 o'clock, if it's 2 o'clock tomorrow and nobody's got it yet, I'll, I'm in. You know, next day rolls around, I kind of forget about it, but it's in the back of my head. And then I look at my email again, and, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and there's, there's nobody answered it yet. So I said, okay, I'm in. Click. You know, five minutes later, Jeff says, you got it. It's yours. Okay. Well, no big deal, right? You got three weeks. Great. So you start thinking, you know, God puts a message on your heart. You do some stuff. It's, it, it's good. And then, you know, what? So I get COVID, you know, part of the COVID club now. Yes, I am in. Um, we did a good job of, of, of not having it for so long in our house. Now, it's been three weeks. So don't be freaking out and thinking I have to, you know, just, just keep your seat. Um, it's gone. You know, I got COVID, can't do it. You know, and then there's, and then I'm thinking, well, you know, then Tim calls. He's okay, you're on the calendar for, for July 17th, which is today, which is fun. Now, it, it's, it's wild when you go to preach God's word because it's a big book, right? It's a big book. And it's like there's a freedom because Jeff says, look, I'm through with this series. You can preach on whatever you want to preach on. And you go, oh, that's great. I have freedom. But then you start looking at God's book. There's a lot there. And you start going, man, good. I wish I had a topic. Because if I had a topic, I have a topic, and I, I, I could at least camp out somewhere in it, you know. But, but so God just kept working. It was a, it was a fun journey, you know. <laughs> I hope, you, hope you'll think so after this morning's over. But it was a, it was a, it was a fun journey. So let me, let me open up my, my notes here. And so um, preaching out of the iPad this morning, um, never done that before. And so... Um, I have backups and everything else, so let's just see what happens with this. Um, trying to be one of the cool kids? Yeah. yeah. Um, so how was your week? There you go. See, I, so we need to, who said awesome? If I had something to throw out, I could do it. So I, I, I teach more than I preach, and I need feedback, all right? So if I ask a question this morning, I need to hear, hear something. If I don't hear, it, it doesn't matter if it's the right or wrong answer, although I always think it's funny the teacher says, you know, class, there's no wrong answers. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of wrong answers, you know? You know, because I was one of those kids that always gave the wrong answer, and I never believed her anymore after that, you know? Otherwise, the class wouldn't have been laughing at me. But now we're in therapy, right? Uh, but, you know, the... the um, just to, just to hear something is great. So, and if you don't say anything, we're going to be here a long time this morning. We don't, we don't want that either. Um, so how is your week? You know, we got a goodness over here, but it's, it's, it's fun. You know, you walk into DCC and you see everybody. We are, we are a, a varied crowd of people, right? I mean, you look around, there's, there's different ages. There's, there's from youth to, to, to senior adult, you know, there's, there's, um, it's just, and there's, there's, there's married, there's not married, there's kid, people with kids, there's youth. We're, we're, a, we're a varied group of people, very diverse in who we are. 
You know, and that is the cool thing about a, about a local congregation of followers of Jesus Christ, because we're all so different. We come together and we form that group, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a strength in that group with each other. So if I take that one step further and ask you, where did you see God this week? Don't, don't take that heavy, but just ask the question, where did you see God this week? Everywhere. Okay, well, that's a good answer. All right. Now we're not going to, we're not going to dissect any answers, although sometimes I want to, um, but it's a, it's a, you know, everywhere. Okay. So we're, you know, it's like that. It's, it's, it's to see God work and to carry that with us in this congregation. When we bring in the presence of God after seeing him work, we feel the presence of God in this place. My, I do, I, I run a missions company and we work with a, there's a small church in um, central Mississippi we, we work with. And bivocational pastor, which pretty much means that you know, he works as, he, 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 the money he eats with is outside the, of the church paying him, right? It's bivocational. And a very small church. And he was telling, we were talking about this, his church and his people. And we talked about the history of his church, asked him how long he'd been there, et cetera, et cetera. And then he turned around and he said, yeah, Terrell, we talked about testimony, the power of testimony. And the person, the, the pastor that had the, um, the church before him, he told me, he said, yeah. He said, the, he said, the guy who preached forever before me, um, he said, Terrell, he would ask for a testimony on, I'm not going to do this. He asked for a testimony on Sunday morning, you know, it was probably something like that. Can someone testify of their week, right? And then he would wait. He would stand behind his pulpit and he would wait for someone to say, you know, I, I've got, I haven't got a word. Well, here's the kicker. He would wait. Can I get a testimony? Can I get a testimony? I kid you not. He said many times the man would turn around then if there wasn't a testimony, the preacher would close the service in prayer and send, one, send everybody home. Because his point was, if you hadn't seen God all week, what makes you think you're going to see him here? Point. Point. Because see, we, can, we, we come in and we, and we feel God's presence in this place because God dwells the hearts of his people. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell in, 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 in brick, brick and mortar. You know, you could turn around and say, man, I want the presence of God in my house. And you, and you steal something, like you take something home with you, you know, because like it's, maybe it's there. Well, it's not. It's with God's people. It's here. And sometimes the, the danger in that can be if you really don't know Jesus, you can still come in and, I believe, feel the presence of God because it's in this place. But you don't walk away with anything. You don't bring anything in. And it's almost a, a falsehood of, of, yeah, I know him because I, I feel his presence. When there's a danger that maybe you don't know him at all. Just a thought. Just a thought. So where did you see Jesus this week? I want to talk this morning about living in the, in the grace of God and, and walking in his pleasure. So we're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture this morning. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you generally where they're at. I'm going to be referring to more, all right? But if you don't want to sit there and turn all over your Bible, just relax on those other passengers, passages and focus on the two. Make sense? This is what I want to hear. Yes. Ah, yeah, good. I can't see you really good. You can't see the odds of your faces moving. And so we're going to be basically in, in, in Ephesians and Hebrews. Not telling you the passage yet, because if I do that, I'll look down. You'll be reading the passage and trying to figure out where we're going. Don't want you to do that. But we're going to be in Ephesians, and we're going to be in, in Hebrews this morning, all right? Um, and so before we even get there, 
One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4.12. And again, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. All right. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. You've probably heard that verse before. I love that verse because there's a, it, it just talks about the power of God's word. Look, it's living and effective, all right? Sharper than any double-edged sword, okay? Penetrating as far as a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's wild that, a, that, a, that theologians can't figure out this verse. And the ones that do don't really have it. Because it just, it just cuts deep. It cuts to the very soul of who we are, right? So when I think about coming before God's word, you know, I almost think about, this is going to be strange, especially if you've gone through surgery lately, but you turn around and say, if, if, this is like coming before a surgeon's knife. And, and this is different because it's elective surgery. You know, it's like the doctor says, look, you're going to feel better if you'll just do this. You think, well, that's going to cause some discomfort sometimes. Well, yeah, it's going to cause some discomfort. But in the long run, you're going to feel so much better. But it's elective surgery. You don't really have to have it. When I come before God's word, can I, can I picture myself laying myself on the table and saying, okay, God, go ahead. Whatever your word says today, let me, let me have it. Wherever it wants to cut in my life today, will you, will, you, will, you, will you let me, will you give me the grace to receive it and change me? Will you submit to the elective surgery of God's word this morning? Just questions. Just questions. I'm reminded of a Christian artist who, in a, in a song she wrote, she says, come out of hiding, you're safe, speaking for God, come out of hiding, you're safe with me here, there's no need to cover what I already see. See, you walk in this door and God knows all about you. And he's constantly driving us to a closer relationship with him. You know, a relationship with God is never stagnant. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I can remember on October 17th, 1988, that's my spiritual birthday, I, I, I accepted Christ. But it doesn't end there. Because God is constantly taking us as, as his believers from, from where we're at to where he wants us to be. From where we're at to where he wants us to be. He's constantly, there's a constant movement in that. You know, and so it's like the question, where did you see God at this week? It's because how is God moving in your life? And maybe you didn't see him this week. Maybe it was just an odd week. You know, at the, at the same time, I was listening to someone who was working in VBS this, this week, and, and they had a strange moment with some kids, and they weren't kid people. And I remember the, the, the wording that he said was, oh, by God's grace, I got through that. Oh, it's God's grace. See, he, he felt the grace of God. He felt the, the favor of God to get him through that moment because he's living with God, and he wants to hear more from him, so he's expecting to hear more. God is always taking us from where we're at to where he wants to be. I always joke about this. Nowhere in God's word do you say, what, what, what does it say, you know, and Gideon sat on the log and the angels rejoiced. Uh, no. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a pushing, a, a driving, an a, a, a invitation to learn more about him. Accept the invitation. Okay, we're going to start Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, one of Paul's letters. This, this is always called a, a letter of encouragement. I think Paul spent three years in Ephesus with this church. 
And, and, and you know, <laughs> praise God we have a pastor who, who, who like, spends his spare time reading Greek. <laughs> Seriously. We had a conversation this week, and he said something about, somebody said, what's the, what's the root word for so-and-so? And he, Jeff just pulls it out of his head. You know, nice to have that kind of a, of a, of a pastor with that kind of a brain, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's neat. And he, he, he just goes through these words and he cuts them all up for us. Well, guess what? I'm not him. So, so often this morning, we're going like, to just like cruise through some of these things, take the gist of it, see what God wants to do within our lives, and we're going to keep on moving, all right? So, so if God touches your heart this morning and think, well, give me, I want some deeper meaning on that. Well, there you go. That's your invitation to go home, scratch that itch. All right. Just a side note. Ephesians chapter 2. You ready? Yeah. There you go. Okay, there you go. All right, so listen, I'm reading from the um, HCSB or CSB. Um, check out the words. First three verses. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to this worldly age. According to the ruler of the atmospheric domain, the spirit, of, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and by nature we were children under wrath, as others were also. So, you know, Paul is talking about our former life, right? There was a time in your life, if, if, if you've met Jesus, there's a time in your life you didn't know him. There's a time in your life when, when, when these kind of things ruled you. You walked according to, the, to, to worldly desires. You, you walked according to, to pretty much Satan's influence on your life. Now, I don't, I don't want to dwell on that with our past, in our past, you know, and, and in no time are we, are we bragging in our past. But at the same time, I, I don't want to forget it either. Because it's where I came. And I remember the emptiness of my life before October 17th, 1988. Because that's when God changed my life. That's when he took me from where I was to where he wanted me to be on the first step. And God, by his grace, is always, always, oh, we'll get to that. Stepping ahead. Yeah, it's exciting. So that's our former life, all right? It's just, there's a former life. Now, same time, you might still be in that former life. Well, this is your day. Verse four, with me? There you go. Okay, here we go. But God, oh, do you have a, what, do you have, I have but God. What have you got in the first word in your version? But God, you know, there's a change, right? You know, we got all this, but God. But God, who was abundant in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. You know, we could camp out right there all day. Because of his great love for us. You ever just focus on his love for you? Because sometimes we take it for granted because we come in and we hear great preaching, we sing songs, we know his love. But do you actually just, just realize the love he has for you? Made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. By grace, you are saved. By what you are saved? Okay, keep going. Six, he's raised up, he has raised us up with him and sealed us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we, we have this grace that he saved us with, that by his favor, by his love, he just, you know, there's, there's, you know what's neat? There's nothing you can do today to earn God's love more. Crazy thing is, there's nothing you can do today to earn God's love less, because we don't earn it. It's there for us. Hmm. 
How is this grace talked about in verse 7? What's the, what's the, what's the, the depth of it? How is it measured? Boundless. 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 Great riches. Immeasurable. Eight and nine should be familiar verses to you. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is what? God's gift. He just, he gives it. He provides it. Not from what? Not from works. You can't earn it. So none of us can boast about it. So just looking at God's, God's grace for a second, for a second. You know, it, grace, and again, I want to skim the surface of it because it's just too deep to spend the whole day on. We don't have time for that. You're thinking, I'm thankful for that, Terrell. Um, but, you know, I can, I can fall back on my, on my childhood. Um, you know, I was, I was raised in a Christian home. Had no trouble, honestly, had no trouble accepting God's grace and his love for me because I had a perfect example of a father. I was one of the lucky ones. You know, I, I, dad, dad always showed his unconditional love for me. So accepting Jesus was right there. Just a side note, dads, you're the reflection of God's, of God's love in your home. Somebody asked me one time, what's the secret to raising children? I said, I don't know, dude, but they're going to grow up just like you. I didn't mean that as a scary thing, but it's true. Side note, back to our story. Childhood definition of, of, of grace. You know, I remember G-A-G-R-A-C-E, can't spell either. Um, God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, you, so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's okay. It's there. I can, I can get a little deep on that. But then one author defined grace Goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. Now, that's deep. Exerts his holy influence upon souls, turns them into Christ. That, that movement that he's, that he's driving, he, he takes me and, and pushes me closer to him is by his grace. Paul knew his grace. First Corinthians, and again, you know, turn us, first Corinthians 15, 10, but by God's grace, I am what I am. You know, the old Popeye commercial, anybody there? I mean, Popeye cartoons, you know, kids are going, who's that? Uh, anyway, I am, I am, I am what I am. Um, I'm sorry, but by grace, by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not ineffective. However, I work more than any of them, talking about the apostles, yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. See, there's a, Paul knew the power of God's grace, and it's, it's great to look at God's grace and how it changes us and how it affects other people. I've heard some of your testimonies, and God's grace is all over it. You know what's wild about testimonies? I love saying this. I own your testimony and you, and you own mine. So what does that mean? We're all children of the king. You know, so what, what I see God do in your life, I know he can do in mine. 
I always think about the, you know, it's like the picture of kids sitting around a, a Christmas tree on, on Christmas morning. You know, little sister opens her present and it's like, wow. Little brother turns around and goes, man, I hope God loves me that much. Oh, he doesn't. He just says, wow, I can't wait to see what I'm going to get because look what sis got. See, when I, when I hear your testimony, when I read Paul's testimony, that's who God is in my life. I'm a follower of God just like he is. Jesus is real in my life just like it was his. And I can feel that grace just like Paul did. God, oh, he wants to, he, he constantly wants to show us who we are. He wants to get to the depth of who we are so he can change it. You know, it's like the time when the, when the anger slips out and all of a sudden God says, says excuse me. And you go, wow, where'd that come from? And God's saying, hey, if, if you want to, I can, I can change that with you. I can, I can change that with you. And I, I want to be a better dad. Oh, you see, you're even saying that, right? So you turn around and say, okay, God, how do I do this? Oh, the Lord says, let me, let me show you. Let me change you. It's by his grace. I want to stay in God's word. So often somebody says, how do I know if God's speaking? If you're in his word, God's speaking. How do I know the action I'm supposed to do with God's word if I'm reading it? If you're reading it, God's speaking. If you're in God's house and you're hearing from God's word and you get good thoughts, those are from God. I'll say it that simple. I worked a number of years in prison ministry and it was, a, it was, it was just the stuff that just wasn't, I don't know these, this is not my life, but watching it. I had a prisoner one time say, well, how do I know if it's God? Seriously, very simple. God tells you to rob the bank again, it's not from God. God tells you to, to, to contact your wife and start making amends there, that's from God. It's that simple. And some of you are going, that's not that simple. It is that simple. It's a great starting place. Okay, move on. Verse 10. Now, verse 10 is where this whole thing started. I got, a, I got a hung up on verse 10 several months ago. You know, just like those, those, those hang-ups. Verse 10, you ready? <laughs> now, my version says, and I don't even like my version of this, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. But see, because of all, because God taking this from, from death to life and this immeasurable, immeasurable grace of what he's given us and how he, he, he just, he seats us in the heavenlies with him so we can have a life with him, turns around to this first, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus. So give me a, what, what, what is your, what's, an, what's another word in there for created or what's another word that stands out in your version? What? Workmanship. Okay, anybody got something else besides workmanship? Handiwork. Handiwork. Oh, that's great. What about something else? For he or what he made. What version is that, brother? That's uh, New York Street. Awesome. Okay. You know, he is what he made us, right? Um, master? Handiwork. Handiwork. Workmanship. Some say masterpiece. Yeah, cool stuff, right? You know, you know, what, you know what word in the English language we get from that word? Any scholars? Ha! Well, Jeff's not here, but we can do one Greek word this morning. I'm sorry. It's just fun. So it's, it's the word, it's, it's poema. Okay, right? It'll be a Greek scholar to figure that one out, right? Um, which is what word? Poetry and poem. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so if I'm, wow, by, by God's taking me from death to life, now I'm his poem. Now I'm his, now, now I'm, I'm being what has he created me to be. I'm his, I'm his workmanship. I'm his masterpiece. 
I'm his poem. You know, it's funny. I can, I can write, <laughs> I can write Cheryl. My, Cheryl's my wife. I, I can write Cheryl a, a note. That's, that's pretty cool. And she gets a note. All right. <laughs> Thought about her enough. I gave her a note. There you go. If I don't go a little deeper, I'll write her a letter. Right? But if I want it off the charts, I'll write her a poem. A poem. I'm not a poet. I've written one poem in my life, and it happens to be in the wall in our bedroom. Yes. Of course, I framed it. I put it there. But I gave it to her. <laughs> because, it, cause, because poetry... Oh, I got a, like another definition because I don't want to mess this up either. Um, oh, yeah. Poetry is a type of literature that conveys a thought, describes a scene, or tells a story in a concentrated lyrical arrangement of words. Poems can be structured with rhyming lines and meter. The rhythm and emphasis of a line based on s- s- syllabic, syllabic beats. Poems can also be freeform, which follows no formal structure. How's your poem? How's God working in your life? Because he, you're his workmanship, right? Because of everything he's given you in his grace, you're his workmanship. So what does, it, what does your poem look like? Oh, it's cool to think about. See, and it says individuals. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not as a couple. It, it, is a, it is an individual walk with God. And God does crazy things with couples from that because he magnifies himself in it. But, but it's, it's an individual poem. How's your poem? I, I got to listen to a, a dad this week whose, whose, whose sons were in like tryouts for, for, for sports in the college side, you know? And it was, a, it was a blast just listening to this dad talk about watching his son do this stuff, you know? He said, was it pride? I don't know, pride was joy. It was just joy. You know, the, the son he had raised all his life, now he's watching him excel in things, and he just got to sit in the bleachers and just watch it. And so it was a wonderful picture of God's love for us. Because he's, he's, he's orchestrated our life in his good pleasure so that we can walk in him. And in the whole walk, we become more and more like him. So as an illustration of that, Turn over to, um, yeah, let's go there now. That's we, the, the theme of Moses this week, right? Yeah, Moses. Um, Sam's out of costume, so I can't bring him back up. Um, let's go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. So just a, a real quick run through of Moses, the early years. Okay? Not the late years, the, the early years. And as you're going there, I'm going to turn there with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a side, a side run, if you will, um, over, to, over to Psalms 139. You don't have to turn there. Going over to Exodus. Exodus. Just Psalm 139 because it, because it fits here. You know, Psalm 139, David writes, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. <laughs> I, 
those verses came alive to me in our ministry in Guatemala as our group. Because it was, it, see people up in, the, up, in the, up in the mountains area, not a stick of education as far as, we, as far as we think of. But yet God had given them the talents and skills to run a village. God had given these, somebody's one of the organizational skills to, to, to do crazy things with, with organization. And, and, they, and they, it's, like, it's like God, living his creation, had, had, had planned these people in this, in this area so that man had a shot at it and he had a chance at life. Now, don't hear what I didn't say because it's, it's, they don't know him. But when someone gives their life over the Christ, then you see this totally complete, perfect person because now they're complete. But yet we're born with the things he wants us to have. You with me? It's like you were, you were born with, a talents and, with talents and skills. Gifts are another thing altogether. But you have talents and skills that I don't have. And I have talents and skills that you don't have. Because God gave me these. I was born with them. And really, man doesn't have to know God to have those talents and skills. They're, they're given to him for birth, but God planned it. But so when we know him, everything else comes com- complete. God's workmanship. God's poem. Starts way back then. It intensifies when we know him. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter, chapter 2. Just real fast, okay? Now, we're, we're going to speed through this. I used to have a seminary professor and say, you know, gentlemen, if God gives you an extra thought, you need to go home and scratch your itch. So if there's, if there's something in God's word this morning that, that we don't hit hard enough, you make a note and go home and check it out. Because God's got something for you to say, to say for you. Now, here we go. Um, Moses. Look at Moses' life. Now, in chapter, and, we, and again, cruising through. Chapter one, you know, Israel was in a state of oppression. Slaves in Egypt. God's getting ready to move them. A, a new king came in in the power, a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Things got bad. Israelites were multiplying very quickly to the point where Pharaoh tells the Egyptian midwives, again, surface, just stay with me. He tells the Egyptian midwives to do what? Kill the, kill the boys. In fact, throw them in the Nile, I think he says, right? Just throw them in the Nile, you know? Well, of course, they don't do that. And so these kids keep getting, getting, getting born. So, and then she takes, so things are getting critical. Mom takes Moses, it puts him where? See, these are good answers. Come on. He goes where? Puts him in a basket, right? Puts him in a basket with tar and everything else. And then where does he, where does he put the basket? In the river. It's just, you know, we, you know, it's funny. We read these stories and we go, hey, put him in a river. You know how crazy that is? It really is. And we don't do it. We read it over and over again. Yeah, he's in the river. No, he's in the river. He's in a, he's a I'm sorry, this is exciting. Um, and so, now, did, did, did Moses have a choice in any of this? No. So hang on these thoughts. We're going to come back and revisit it because we're going to summarize this. And again, don't worry about the time. We're going to get out of here. Promise you that. All right. So then what happens next, right? He's in the river. And you know the story. So let's just go through it together. He goes and he's in the river. What happens next? Pharaoh's daughter. She's bathing in the Nile. She turns around and what does she see? The baby. I think the word actually says, I think the word actually says, oh, look, there's a baby in a basket. It's crazy. 
you know? So she, she gets the baby. Now, where's Moses' sister doing? He's watching from afar, right? She turns around. She sees all this happening. What's she do? She runs and gets mom. Or she tells Pharaoh's daughter, you know, hey, you're going to need help with this baby, right? You know, nursing him and everything else. Said, yeah, I got somebody to take care of this for you. So Moses ends up being pretty much raised in his early years by his mom. And then he goes into the palace, right? You with me? All right. He goes into, he goes into Pharaoh's palace because now he's, he's, he's you know, the, the son of, this, of, the, of the daughter living there in the, in the palace. But he knows he's Hebrew. He's raised by mom. He, he looks different. He looks like a Hebrew. So then pick up real fast and... and Yeah, verse 11 of chapter 2. With me? Okay. See, some of you aren't catching on. You don't say yes, we're going to be here a while. Um, years later, with me, this is 2.11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people, his own people, so you know who they were, observed their forced labor, saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, one of his people, looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. Next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a leader and judge over us, the man replied. Are you planning to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Now, see, you can, we, can, we can take time for this. We're not, we're, you can tie all this back into Psalm 139. Moses knew he was the protector, right? He did. He, he knew. I think he knew who he was. When he saw this happening, he said, I'll take care of this. And he does. But now Moses is a murderer. He had no choice at birth. But now he's made this decision, and he's a murderer. And look what happens next. Verse 14, the second half of that. Then Moses became afraid. I love this. And he thought, ooh, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. And then what does your verse say he did? He sat. You know what? You want a memory verse today? Do that one. He sat down by the well. So what is that? Well, he sat down by the well. I love this verse. You know, it's like a scene change in a, at a theater. You know, it's like the curtain's about to come down, right? On this first, first act, if you will, on Moses' life. And I think this is the first 40 years. He sat down by the well. Now, all we're going to do at this point is one buddy of mine always says, we've we got to read between the lines of Scripture. So if you don't like it, you can toss it out. But he sat down by the well. You can only imagine what Moses was thinking. Man, I, I thought I had this right. All my years, and I saw this, and I, I thought I had this right. Now it doesn't make sense. Now I'm a murderer cast out of the kingdom. That, things don't make sense. I think there's times as, as a believer in Jesus Christ, here you are, we're in the sanctuary, we're feeling the presence of God. We really don't know him, but we want to so bad, we pick up an action and we do the action. That's like when we, when we really don't know God and we're trying to so bad, we go to the Christian bookstore and pick up a book that says five steps to, to peace with God. And we read the steps, but we don't get into God's word. We read the steps, but we don't let God have all of us. So I think Moses thought he was doing right. I, can tell you, I, I didn't come as a believer in Jesus Christ until I was 26 years old. And prior to that, I can tell you the stuff I did at church trying to be somebody. One time I delivered a refrigerator for the pastor. I did. I had a pickup truck, no tailgate, you know, and the church needed the refrigerator moved. I thought, yes, this is my chance. 
So I go move the refrigerator. And I'll never forget, it was a Saturday morning. I come back. Pastor's in his office. Pastor Scott was in his office studying. I go in there. I get the refrigerator off the truck, you know, all by myself. I put it up. I said, I go in his office. The pastor's refrigerator's here. He didn't look up. He said, let's just put it in the kitchen, plug it in. So I do it. I go back, right? Because now I want the accolades, right? So pastor, I refrigerator's in the kitchen. All right, thanks, Daryl. See you tomorrow. Kind of broke my heart. Kind of funny. Kind of goofy, really. Because it's like I, 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 wanted, the, I wanted the physical. I, I, wanted the, I, wanted the, I wanted to be part of the family of God and actually not know God, but I didn't realize it. I, I just wanted the, I wanted the action instead of having the, <laughs> the maker of the action. And it was empty. So Moses goes on. Now, again, now we're, now we're in high gear. He goes on, meets the priest of Midian, which is Jethro. Jethro, I'm not going to go in Jethro's life. He goes in, he does this, he meets his wife, Zipporah, has a kid. Um, oh, verse 22, just for a side note, because I think it's funny. She gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom. Anybody have a note in your Bible what Gershom means? Read real quick, bottom footnote, what? I'm a stranger here. That's what he names his kid. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what Moses is feeling at this point. You know what I mean? I mean, gosh, you know, I'm born and I'm in a palace. I'm going to protect my people. Now I'm a murderer. I had to sit down on my, uh, by the well and contemplate my life. Now I'm just going to keep on wandering around here. And I got a, me and Zipporah had a child and I'm so depressed. I'm going to name a stranger in a foreign land. Heck of a handle to put on a kid, isn't it? That's the way Moses was feeling. Now, verse 23. What do you got? First words. After. Oh, this is good. We got after. What else we got? After a long period. Again, curtain's coming back up and down on the stage, right? After a long time, after a period of time. So God's just, this, things are going on time-wise. Stay with me. Let me read 23. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor and they cried out and their cry for help ascended to God because of the difficult labor. So God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 25, what's your version read? God saw. God saw the Israelites and he took notice. It's like a soliloquy from God. All this stuff's going on and God's still working. All this is happening in Moses' life and God's still working. First word of chapter three is what? Now. Anybody like something else? I love my version of this one. I got to beat on this one. Right? Meanwhile, like meanwhile, back at the ranch, right? The, 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 the scene changes again. We got now, after all this, all right, now it gets, it gets crazy serious. Verse three. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Or of the mountain of God. He's already in the wilderness, right? Where's he at in the wilderness? What? Oh, now we're getting very technical. Thank you, sir. Jeff's not here this morning. We're not going there, okay? Um, <laughs> we're looking at face value here. He's in the wilderness. Which part of the wilderness is he in? Or the mountain of God, but does there anything else in your version? I got far side. See, we read through that too. 
right? We put the kid in the basket. We think it's no big deal. Um, and then we turn around and he said, he's at the far side. He's not on the wilderness. He's at the far side of the wilderness. He's out in the middle of stinking nowhere. Two, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses thought, I love this, this verse. This, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over, he, he called him out in front of the bush. And he, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come any closer. And this is holy ground he's got right there, right? And the Lord goes on and tells him and said, look, I've been watching. I have been watching what's going on with my people. You know, and, and, and then he, he goes through the whole thing. He said, I'm, I'm the, I, the, the, the Israelites help us come to me. They're crying out. And he says, verse 10, therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the Israelites out of God? He answered, I will certainly be with you and this will be the sign to you. This is good, right? This will be the sign to you. So often when our walk with God in the poem is placed in our life, we want the sign. God, as soon as, you, as soon as you show me my next steps, oh, I'm there. Well, look, look at the next steps he shows Moses. Because these are so clear. I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. Remember that? When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God on this mountain. I'm serious. You see Moses going, all right, okay, I'm waiting for the rest of that. So once we do this, we're going to worship on the mountain. There's a big gap of time right there. I can see Moses saying, give me the rest of it. God said, no, no, you're going to bring them out. And he goes on and, you know, Moses has struggles with this. But this, but, but, so just, just hang on there for a second. Boy, it's amazing you make notes and, you know, you, you leave out half of it. You put stuff in you never intended to say. Um, not going back there. Not going back there. Um, but just, just summarize Moses' life here for a second. No control over his born life, right? Just happened. Messed up with the Egyptian being killed. Didn't know any better. Sits down by the well. Contemplates his life. Keeps on going forward. And by the way, this, is a, this concludes the second 40 years of his life. So God took all this time before he could speak to him, before Moses was ready to listen. And he tells him what he's going to do. Maybe this is your sit down by the well day. Maybe this is the time in your life you go, you know what, if, if, if I'm God's poem and God's written my life out, where I'm not feeling it right now. Because I don't think Moses started feeling it to hear. And you look at Moses' life, what's crazy about it is, to you and me right now, we can draw a straight line, right? We can take it from his birth, to the murder, to the ex exile, to the sheep. We can go the whole thing, and we got a straight line. Guarantee you, if Moses was drawing it out, oh man, if you put it on a whiteboard, it would go here, and go there, and go there, and go there, and go there. Maybe that's your life today. But looking back on Moses' life, it's a straight shot. Because God had a plan for his poem, like God has a plan for the poem of your life today. How are you experiencing the poem? Where has he got you? What does your life look like with God today? You know, it said that Moses, in, one author said Moses in his 40 years of his life, he spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody, 
The second 40 years, learning he was a nobody. And the third 40 years, which goes on before this, in front of this, is learning what God could do with a nobody. Let me show you a modern picture. Um, I got a picture of, that, of, of, of Vicky. Um, if you can see this, this is Vicky. You know what's a smile on Vicky's face? Just, a, just a, another example. Now, she's a missionary. She was, she, Vicky died last year of pancreatic cancer. Vicky left Abomasha, Nigeria when she was 11 years old. Her parents were, were foreign missionaries. When she was 11 years old, she knew at 11 she was supposed to go back. She went on with her life. Three broken marriages, all kinds of spaghetti stuff to straighten out. But God never, never took his call off her life. She came to our company and, and I got to know her when she was 60. She died at 67. And she says, I got to go back to Nigeria. I've got to be in Nigeria. You know, Vicky was a, a certified nursing assistant, not a high dollar job. She didn't have the funding. She took her social security and went to Nigeria. I, got the, I, had, a, I had a front row seat on it. She didn't make it in Nigeria. Long story there, I'll explain it another time. She ended up in Ethiopia where this picture was taken. She couldn't show the kids' pictures behind her because it was illegal at that time because she couldn't, she couldn't share the gospel in the Muslim school that she worked up, but she, she dewormed those kids. She took care of those kids and she had a perfect peace in her life for those last many years that she had denied following God all those years before. Does it make sense? Some authors will call this a second call. Some authors will say, hey, Moses got the second call in his life because he finally figured it out. Just to, to yourself, how is God speaking to you today? Sometimes we, he, he speaks to us and he says, you know, I'm writing this poem in your life, and man, you, 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 you didn't, you got this one point right here where you're just not following through. We think of Christian discipleship sometimes as knowledge. Hear me, it's never about knowledge, it's about obedience. You can memorize scriptures all day long. You could, but until you obey it, you got nothing. It's obedience. We learn about Jesus from our obedience. In that, God keeps speaking to us and the grace that he's given to us that we can operate and live in his pleasure. Vicky finally experienced that. Moses experienced that. How's your life today? I love at DCC that we close in the Lord's Supper. <laughs> He's closing now. It's good. I hope this has made sense. You know, Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper so we can remember, right? Do this in remembrance of me. And it's never just a look back. It's always a look forward. For... <laughs> You know, for, we can look back 2,000 years to Calvary and see the suffering and death of our Lord in the supper. If you feel unloved, you feel lonely, you feel unworthy, do you remember who Jesus ate with? Right? You know the scriptures? Remember he ate with the tax people and the sinners and all the folks he wasn't supposed to be eating with? And he welcomed them to his table? This is that table. This is that table. Remember who we, who we were. Remember the death on his cross. Remember the grace that God gave to us with the Lord's Supper. 
and I wrote this down because I want to get it right. The table reminds us of his love for us and the gift of Jesus. The bread reminds us of his body broken for us and the sacrifice of the cross. And the symbol of his blood. We remember the new covenant between God and man, a covenant of grace, a covenant backed by his blood, which enables us to be reconciled with God and to know him in a real and intimate way. I take the body, I remember. I remember his walk, I remember his sacrifice, I remember his body broken for me because of God's great love for me. God's love doesn't change. I just, I dwell in it. I come to the table and, 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 and accept it. And then I take the blood, right? A covenant, a, 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 the new covenant. The covenant of grace, it's all on Jesus. See, if, 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 I'm, if I'm hearing from God of, of, of my activity, what I'm supposed to do, where, he, where, he, where, he, where he's placed grace in my life to, to walk, the promise is his. It's not like, you know, it's, it's, he's, he said, this is my blood. This is the covenant. It, all the promises are true. It's all on Jesus. So if you will, I ask you to stand. And so you have to stand. We have, you know, you know, you know that if you've been here, you know that you know the, the, the elements are at the tables right here, right? Um, what gluten free to my right? I never know which one that is. So, you know. um, but if you will, go ahead and go ahead and take, get the elements. Go back to your seat now. Now, as you're doing that, we we practice open communion here, meaning that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate. However. If this is your day, and you say, oh, I want that. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior of my life. And I'll tell you, run to the table. Take the elements, if you will, and go back to your seat and let us take it together. Please.